Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a big show. Is everybody ready? Today is Tuesday, right? Take extra care to follow the instructions or you'll be put to sleep. And don't forget Taco Tuesdays. Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It's the Big Show on a Tuesday, 97.5-1280 The Zone. Welcome on in, and it is a great Tuesday because he is back from his family vacation. He's the one, the only, the tie-dyed Gordon Monson. What's up, Gordo? Feeling good today, Jake. Uh, Just got done with the vacation, and it was one of those vacations that is intensive with the family, activities intensive, all that uh, uh, kind of work intensive, but worth it in every way, and I'm uh, I'm all fired up to get going here today. I mean, we are at that time of year when we got football right there. You can almost smell it. And then, of course, uh, the NBA with uh, the news of the schedule coming out. And, you know, that opener, it's October 23rd? That's it, not that far away. It's really not. So, you know what? I, I've come to a conclusion. A conclusion before any of it happens. But if you are a sports fan in the state of Utah, and this is unlike me, but it's time to be optimistic. You're giving everybody permission. All the way around. Okay. All the way around. And this isn't breaking news. I get that. But I want to underscore it. Because jazz fans, if you can't be optimistic now, when are you going to be optimistic? Utah football fans, you can't be optimistic now. When are you going to be? Even BYU fans, I am telling you, the whispers down there in Provar that this team's going to be better than a lot of people think. Hmm. Utah State? Got the best quarterback in the state coming back. Got uh, Gary Anderson uh, circling back around. Why wouldn't you be? Huh? Can I get two? Only uh, person that can't be optimistic right now would be Yoli. Yeah, yeah, Yoli had a rough weekend. We talked He's about this, I'm weekend. sure, but that was just, that was just stupid. We hit it on Friday, did you? And we can, you know, we can, uh, we can get your thoughts on all of this. Can I, can I hit the pause button real quick uh, okay, on sorry. your before? I, I mean to get all optimistic on you. I mean, I'm, I, am I sick? Am I okay? No, no. I just, I, I wanted to before we leave your vacation in the rearview mirror. Oh. I've got to, I've got to bring this up for a second. You, you described it multiple times as intensive. Is, is this what I have to look forward to with vacations with the kids? Uh, you know, as the years go, it's, it's supposed to be like uh, relaxing and enjoyable i didn't expect you to come back and say intensive over and over again it sounds like you just it sounds like you just busted your hump what kind of moron are you being right now you said intensive like there is no such thing as a family vacation really it's a family trip if you're taking the family then you're going to work at it a little bit it's worth every bit of it i mean i'm not complaining yeah i'm just saying that there's a there's a differentiation there all right no, I, I get it. I'm, I'm just asking because... Yeah. And you know that because I know you've been involved in family trips before. And, you know, I've got I mean, another one coming up next week. Yeah, and you will find out. When you, have, when you have six grandkids and you have five kids, 
and you got in-laws, you got all and everybody gets in there at the same time, and you're doing an active kind of trip, then uh, then yeah, it's uh, it's intense. Yeah. And on top of this, now, I mean, praise God, and I'm happy. I'm not complaining about my life in any way, oh, shape, or where form. Where are you going? <laughs> Thursday night. Okay. My daughter turns to me and says, I feel sick. Uh-oh. And I said, are you okay? She said, I have severe pain in my stomach. And so my other daughter's a nurse, so I said, check this out. And she said, let's just watch this for a little bit. Well, later that day, emergency appendix surgery. Oh, no. Yeah. That's... That's scary. Yeah, we had this to happened on Thursday. Thursday, well, after ha- the it show, happened Friday. No, wow. Friday. Hmm. Friday. Thursday night, in the middle of the night, she started to feel symptoms, and then we, and so we were out having fun boating, and she was in laying in bed, you know, hurting, and we said, "Well, let's we'll see how it goes." <laughs> Easy for us to say, right? When we got back, I and I checked on her a couple of times. We got back around dinner time. And I looked at her, and she was white as a ghost. Oh, no. And in severe pain. Got her to the hospital. They diagnosed it. And then early in the morning, surgery. Wow. To remove that darn appendix. What a and way to start a vacation. I'm telling you right now, there are probably a lot of our listeners have had this. Because um, I read somewhere that one in 20 people... Get their appendix out? Yeah. That, that sounds probably about right. Apparently, it's an absolutely useless organ. But can kill you if you don't deal with it. It was close to bursting. Have Have you ever heard the Jake Caressa appendix story? No. So I can't... Next time he comes on the station or something, we'll have to ask him about this. But I can't remember if it had already burst or not or was you know about to burst. But he was driving himself to the hospital. Oh, and wow. He, but he stopped at a barbecue joint to get some food. <laughs> What? Because he knew what was going on. He knew he wasn't going to be able to eat, really, for a while, and he was hungry. So, that, that's so unbelievable. He stopped off to get some barbecue. There, there was no way. Uh, he must have been in the early stages, because if he had gotten to the point where my daughter was, there was no way. He's he a tough guy, it. that Caressa. No way. I'm telling you, I don't care how tough you are. There is no freaking way. Oh, let's stop for pizza. Okay. No. Uh-uh. That was, and many of our listeners have been through this. This isn't uncommon. I mean, I know. Adrian, you ever had your appendix out? I have not. I still have the thing. Do you know people who have? I don't, but I hear it's uh, not fun. No. Well, you turn green, don't you? Isn't that the thing? No, that's the liver, I think. Oh, is that the liver? Oh, I could be wrong about that. I talked to the doctor afterwards. He said, and I don't know if my daughter would mind me sharing this uh, personal information yeah, on the air. We have to worry about HIPAA here? Just a few of our best friends here. But uh, anyway, she, uh, the, the surgeon said on a scale from one to five, five being the most complicated, hers was a four. Mm, not good. Then you guys kept on boating. Kept right on boating. It kept going. Yeah. But I was at the hospital uh, about three, three trips. But anyway. But she's all right. She's all right. Good. She's all right. She's recovering. But it made me think about how we, when we talk about athletes, they're undergoing surgery all the time, right? It's just sort of, oh, yeah, he's got surgery. Well, whatever. It's a little you know? different in this case, I well, think. Well, I mean, but, yeah. it, just, it makes you stop and think about all that goes into that. 
a lot of people, you know, you hear about appendicitis, you hear about an ACL, you hear about whatever what shoulder surgery of some sort or another. I mean, this is this is going into people's bodies and and trying to make them right again. And it's it's nothing to just sort of be casual about. We've come, but along, we do it all the time. Come a long way since uh, leeches, right? Was that a thing, really? Yeah, that was a medical thing where they yeah. drain the blood or whatever, leach out the blood. It's bad blood, Gordon. Mm. Uh, but well, no, I'm glad she's okay. That's great. That's that's kind of a crazy way to start a vacation. But glad everything turned out all right. Yeah, she's uh, recovering uh, until we'll see uh, how long it takes. But uh, anyway, for all of our listeners out there who have had a surgery or have loved ones who've had a surgery, or you know whether it's a sports injury or whether it's something that is uh, just sort of, uh, what's the word, internal medicine-related, whatever, uh, then uh, we're just a shout-out to you. Because it's on my mind a little bit, as it would be. I know? can, see. I can anyway. see why. Other than that, but I feel optimistic. I feel optimistic. I don't want to be sickening about it. I don't want to be a homer about it. I don't want to be one of those honks that's constantly saying, Go team, uh, the home team is the best team, blah, blah, blah. Never done that. Never felt like that's the way this should be done. But I see real reason for optimism. And I I, I don't know what to tell you uh, uh, other than I'm just looking at the facts. It's not that cheerleading. It's just looking at it. And I know all the guys on the station do this. They look at it, analyze it, and speak their mind. And that's why I love working here, because guys aren't afraid to say what the truth is, what they really feel about a circumstance. But I know it's out of character for me, but I feel very optimistic about all the local teams. Well, let's get to the split story of the day, shall we? Okay. Let's do it. Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. You talk, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I mean, I think we had like three or four ESPN no TNTs before, and we have 16 now, six of them TNTs. TNTs are more impressive than, are you know, are, are worth, worth more than... Um, you know, are worth more than a uh, ESPN in most people's life. The league will take the so the league takes Christmas Day, Martin Luther King opening week, and they put those in first. So our Jazz at Lakers is a choice by the league to highlight the um, Jazz as one of the marquee teams in the league in the opening week of the season. Um, and then they choose the Christmas days and Denver hasn't had a Christmas home game in I think 25 years. So, you know, they gave them a Christmas home game the same way they gave us one last year. Um, and then, you know, then they have the Martin Luther King games, which we didn't get put into, but so we have our marquee moment, which is the Lakers home opener, uh, in our second game of the season. Yep, that one, uh, the Lakers game is going to be on ESPN, and that one starts at 8.30, Gordon. But uh, actually, some of these nationally televised games are going to be a little bit earlier. We asked Steve Starks about that yesterday, but uh, 8 or uh, possibly even 7.30. So they're trying to get the West, the Western Conference in primetime a little bit more with the East Coast TV markets. Well, I wonder why the better teams are out here. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't they be interested in seeing what's going on? That's a good move. It is a good Smart move. Smart move. Uh, the Jazz even play Memphis on ESPN at 6 o'clock uh, on, let's see here, that's uh, on the 15th of November. So, I mean, uh, a nationally televised game doesn't automatically mean 8.30 anymore. So, that's nice. I'm not going to break down the schedule with every little every little bit of it, but uh, I will say this. I think the NBA 
has tried hard to even this thing out. And I think they've accomplished that for the Jazz this year, certainly. In the last two years, we've heard an awful lot of complaining about the early part of the schedule and how difficult it was and how it was sort of a momentum uh, stealer. Uh, but uh, no such complaints this time around. As I've looked at the schedule, I think it works out nicely. And the Jazz are now left to their own devices to be a great team. People understand the randomness of the NBA scheduling, right? I mean, you heard Locke breaking it down a little bit. They put some marquee games at some certain spots, and we know about that. You know, Christmas Day, Martin Luther King Day, like Locke was talking about the first week, that sort of thing. But, but basically how it works is the arena – gives a bunch of dates that can't be used for home games to the to the league and every team does this and then they set their marquee games like we talked about and then they put the rest into a computer and it spits out a schedule so it's not some laker fan <laughs> in the basement being like you know who i'm gonna screw over this year let's get those jazz let's get those jazz get- and and i'm simplifying it a little bit there are other considerations that they they would throw in like um uh, just an example back in uh, the day when jerry was the coach of the jazz they wanted to do that christmas road trip yeah. so there are other things uh-huh. that that get thrown in there but the, the spurs do their rodeo, the rodeo trip. right uh, but uh, at by no means is it the, the by scheduling the league screwing over one team or another. There's certainly randomness to it, and the Jazz have been at the short end of that at the beginning of the year for the past couple of years. That's a fact. But PK, who was on with us yesterday, he is right about one major thing. It all evens out in the end. It all does. You have to play the same amount of Rome games, same amount of home games. Back-to-back can vary a little bit, but the Jazz have, uh, what is it, Adrian, 11 back-to-backs, 11, yeah. which is the league low, I believe. So. The average is 12 or 13, something like that. Right. And the longest road trip that they have uh, now, I think, is five games, and it's just one of them. I mean, it it all comes out in the wash. It, it really does. I but can this- see situations where a team might be robbed of some momentum Early on, if it's trying to put a, something together and it, it can get some early success and then move forward from there. But on the whole, you're exactly right. I mean, you got to play the the 82. Even two years ago, the, the hard part of the schedule actually really worked out for the Jazz because if Rudy was going to be hurt, have him hurt during that nightmare <laughs> November and December, and then when he comes back and the schedule starts to turn, you can really go on a run. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. So you never you never know these things. That's why it's, sometimes it is hard to sit here in August and say, oh, this is going to be brutal and that's going to be brutal. We, we just don't know. Yeah. I mean, at first glance, it seems like this is a little bit more even, a little bit more even out. They have more back-to-backs at the end of the year than they do at the beginning. But you know what? You know, they may be at their healthiest at that point, or that may be a stretch where they get in shape for the the the, the home stretch. I mean, you never know. I, I think the big, the most important part of what you said there, Jake, is for the team itself and for the coach, they cannot worry about this sort of thing. You know, because so much of this is a mind game, and if you start thinking negative thoughts about your chances and the injustices that the league has put upon you, then uh, you you are, are putting yourself in a position to have to climb uphill. No reason to do so for the Jazz. Certainly not this year. Right. 
So you you look at it, and they got some nice things. David talked about playing the Lakers in the first week. That's a that's a league set game, so that's a bit of an honor. Playing on Martin Luther King Day uh, is is that's always a fun day of NBA basketball. So it's cool to be a part of that when they take on uh, the Indiana Pacers, and it's going to be a home game here at Vivint Smart Home Arena. So that should be a lot of fun. I like the early games against both the Lakers and the Clips. Th- those two games will be most interesting, will they not? Well, is Paul George going to play? Because there's scuttlebutt around the NBA that he might not be ready. Well, I don't know. Oh, that that plays into the interest. I know, though. but I don't know. I don't know. But I still, the Clippers are the Clippers are going to be t- such a good defensive team. I don't know. I don't know who's going to be. Ready. And that's the other thing about this: you circle games and you go, "Oh, that is a can't miss game. Got to see that one. Got to see." It. And then some player doesn't play, right? And then it loses some of its luster. Last year, I thought it was interesting. Their schedule was so easy at the end. It was almost like, are they really ready for the playoffs? Are they, you know, what kind of team are we looking at? And you look at this year's ending of the schedule, and it's it's really balanced. You have a couple games against the Lakers. You have the T-Wolves. A couple games against San Antonio, Dallas, Atlanta, and Chicago. So, you know. We'll see if everybody's theories about that sort of thing were were correct, well, or I, if it, it is just like PK says. It just it, it evens out for everybody. With the way the Jazz are put together this year, uh, I, th- sometimes it does take a little time for a team to get uh, familiar, a new team to get familiar with itself and to move forward with it and all that sort of thing. But I I think this particular version of the Jazz, none of this is going to matter. I think what's going to matter is. How how they you know how they play how they coach how they how they uh, uh, work together because they're good enough to be good no matter what. So will they do it? I, I don't know the answer to that, but I am optimistic. As I said to start the show, I'm optimistic about this particular group as I analyze the talent that's involved with it. And when you take talent, the kind of talent the Jazz have and put it under a coach like Quinn Snyder, who knows how to get the most out of his players, what does that spell? V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. Well, keep going. Victory. I already finished. Victory. That's our cry. Isn't that the whole cheer? <laughs> I don't know. Is there a cheer? How's the cheer go? That's the cheer. How's it go? V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. Victory, victory. That's our cry. You uh, haven't heard that? No. I don't pay any well, attention what are to you, cheers. What, what was the bit all about? You just felt like spelling victory? Yes. Doesn't make any because sense. Because I'm optimistic. Isn't that all right? See, here's the thing. Do you think they're going to win around, one game? We're not getting around negative people. You know, I, here I am feeling all optimistic. I get around a negative person, and suddenly, what do they do? Automatically, they start trying to drag you down. I just thought you were playing into the cheer. Why else would you? I've never even why heard. Would you, well, I've never heard of the cheer. Why would you spell victory? Well, that doesn't said, make what any does sense. That spell I spells V I C T O R Y. Do I need to have a cheery? You want me to pull pom poms out? I won't go that far. A little bit. I'd like to see that, if we could. We'll leave that to Austin. I want to see some high Tony kicks. has to deal with Austin. He'll bring out the pom-poms, and then Tony will have to deal with it. I them. want to see some high kicks. From Austin? No, from you. You're oh. the, doing the cheer. <laughs> I, I want to see some jumps and some high cheer. kicks. That and... was what you call a coincidence. I see. 
Uh, so there you go. Some schedule news for you. Wanted to get Gordon's thoughts on that. Coming up uh, right around the corner, we're going to talk to David James of DJ and PK fame. Also does a little thing, you know, moonlights a little bit over there at Channel 2. But, you know, we know where his priorities lie. Speaking of someone who has to deal with negativity. He day. does have to deal with a little negativity. And you had to deal with that yesterday. Thanks for sitting in, PK. I appreciate it. We that. had fun. He was Somebody good. told me. You know how when you leave and then you come back and you have your birds out there that are chirping at you and telling you? Somebody told me that PK told you that that he's not trying to talk me into liking country music. He did that he say could that. care less what I think about country. If that isn't a bunch of bull... Loney. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, he's been hitting me over the head with a country stick for the last three years. That's what I thought. I, that's why I, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I kind of brought that up. I said, you've been, uh, you've been trying to convince Gordon about country. He said, I haven't tried to convince Gordon about anything. I didn't believe him. Mm. Well, that's not what he said when he made me drive him to Boise for a Kenny Chesney concert. How did he coax you into driving, by the way? I don't know. It just happened. All of a sudden, you are I'm, driving? I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a good friend. Looking for, but for him, did he pick up some gas at if, least? If, 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 if that's true, that he said he isn't, he, he doesn't care what kind of music. That's all. Just he just. That's not true. I, not I true. know. I've seen it first firsthand. Yeah. Did he pick up gas at least? Probably not. Gordon, you know, there's I being. I want to rock and roll all night. The first rule of road tripping with somebody is if you're riding along, you pick up a tank of gas at very least. Oh, it's uh, that's it, the first that's rule. Not, that's not how PK. That's thinks. that's how that that's how friends become unfriends in my world. No, you don't even volunteer no, no. to pick up a tank no. of gas. Oh, I was happy to to uh, to contribute that. Adrian's with me on this. If if you don't pick up a tank of gas, that's a good way to get left on the side of the road. Right. You got, or at least, hey, here's twenty five, thirty bucks for that. Right. Tank. Yeah. You're driving. So what? I'm supposed to say, PK, get out. No, he's supposed to say, hey, uh, I, I see you're a little low on gas. Next town we come to, I'll, I'll pick up a tank. That's what he's supposed to say. And or if he doesn't, you- if he doesn't, I say, well, I'm not hearing anything back there. Get out. Right here. Well, you- we're out in the middle of nowhere. Get out. Well, I mean, you can choose how you react, but but yeah, that's amongst your options. I prefer the silent treatment after the trip. <laughs> Is that is that the way you do it? Ouch. The yeah. silent treatment. I've 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 gone on a, a bunch of road trips with friends. I've done that, you know, a lot over the years. A little less lately, seemingly. But whoever draws the short straw and has to drive, everybody else makes sure to pick up some gas. But that's that's driving, rule number if one. If you're driving your own car, the gas is is, is isn't the half of it. It's the wear and tear on the exactly. car. It's exactly. the devaluation of the mileage on it. It's the 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 tires. It's the insurance. It's the it, all that rolls together into a big old pie. And the least the schlub sitting in the back seat can do is pony up the dough for a tank of gas. Well, he didn't. Mm. Mm. Faux pas on PK's part. And if I were you, I would correct that in the future. Would you drop him off at home? He said, well, thanks for the ride. Thanks. Oh, he probably gave you a bunch of BS about uh, I'm the one that has the money and he's the son of a janitor and all that stuff. What does that have to do with anything? Um, it's just, I, I'm just guessing. Did he say something along those well, lines at some point? Uh, no, he didn't. Oh. But I'll, tell, I'll him. tell you this. His financials are none of, or your financials are none of his business. <laughs> Pony up the dough, bruh. The tank of gas. <laughs> Okay. Well, I, I, maybe I'll bring this up with him. I think you should. 
but I'm going to bring it up with him. Who's the cheapest soul here on the radio station? Oh, Tony by far. And that's saying a lot <laughs> on a staff with Hans Olsen on it. All right. David James coming up next. Speaking of Tony, gonna, stay tuned for his let update. Tony have a say in this at some point. On the tour of Utah. Heck no. That's why I'm going to break. Tony didn't get to respond. Uh, DJ coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Brian Abraham, uscfootball.com. The way the BYU and Utah games sit on the schedule is the third and fourth games. They have the opportunity to wreck Clay Hilton's career right there, depending on how those games go, don't they? 100%. I mean, Utah's super important because, obviously, it's for the Pac-12 South. BYU is really important because you look at their out-of-conference games. I mean, they're on the road at Notre Dame. That's tough. Playing a 12-win Fresno State team to open the Coliseum. Losing to BYU would be unacceptable. BYU will be fired up for that. If USC's not and they lose, I think that would be the end for Clay Hilton. It's not some cakewalk game. It's going to be a tough one, but it's a must-win for Clay Hill. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The best coverage of the Utah Jazz in the NBA is right here on The Big Show. Kick it. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 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 Good Lord is such a good Lord. We're such a Band of the day today, Ben Harper, selected by me, brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artist insight at LiveNation.com. Went and saw Ben Harper and Trombone Shorty on Sunday. How'd that go? Oh, it was amazing. Oh, good. Uh, just an absolute terrific concert. We really enjoyed it. Good. You know, you know if you're going to go to all the trouble to get into a concert, then you better have a good time. You, you want to you want to hear a funny part of it though, and real, I'll do this real quick because we got to get to DJ. But we, uh, the wife and I, got there really early to say, stake out a good spot. You uh-huh. know, oh, and, one of those deals. Yeah, uh-huh. and we were expecting a friend to come, and then a friend and her entire family to come. So like, we were saving spots for like <laughs> eleven people, and it turned out were they that were people edging in on it. Yeah, and we were you know boxing them out, <laughs> putting blankets and coolers everywhere, and all this stuff. You know, every, I'm sure everybody hated us. And then nine out of the eleven, actually ten out of the eleven, decided to sit somewhere else. Oh really? So everybody <laughs> else on the grass is sitting, you know, rear ends to elbows, and we've got we've got plenty of space. Did, it, did you invite out. anybody to like take? To, well, at that time it was a little late, <laughs> so we—I don't think we would have objected if they moved in on that. Us, is uncomfortable saving. Yeah, yeah, I know. When a crowd is coming in. All right, joining us now, co-host of DJ and PK each and every morning from six to ten here on the Zone Radio Network. Also, a television voice of RSL, and he does a little thing uh, over there on Channel Two as well. He's our good friend, David James. DJ, what's cracking? How are you? Hey, we are good. Uh, enjoyed your interview yesterday with Deloy Hansen. Uh, it's been an interesting few days for RSL, deciding to fire Mike Pecky on Sunday night. Mike responded today, and I, I want to get your thoughts on his response. But first, your takeaways from your interview yesterday with Deloy Hansen. Uh, it's clear that his fans and sponsors are not of one mind, and I think that no matter what was ultimately decided, there were going to be some people who were upset. 
I think it's clear from what he said and from what Petke said, if you read between the lines, that they're going to be scrapping over the last year and a half, year and a third of money on Mike's contract. So I think that's why we haven't seen Mike come out and do interviews. Um, I called him, left messages, uh, texted him, but he didn't get back to me. I was surprised Deloitte did. And Deloitte, you know, talked about the future, talked about the values and the attitudes he wanted, but really tried to avoid specifics on Mike, and I assume that's because they're going to be, they're going to be scrapping down the line. But I, I think it's clear the fan base is not of one mind, and I think Deloitte, you know, I think deep down he really didn't want to do it. Um, but he ended up feeling like he had to, and I think he had a lot of people telling him he should. Now, did he have to do it because sponsors were uh, rebelling, or was this a moral issue? Uh, I think it was all of the above. I think the league didn't like it. I think there were sponsors that didn't like it. I think fans, you know, fans with social media, they can get what they think out there. Um and it did bug him. I mean, he's, you know, <laughs> he got feedback from, I think he got feedback from people who work there, you know. And I think there was PR advice. You know, Mike, this is the third time Mike's been suspended. If you do give him another chance, what are the odds you're going to be right back here in a year? I think all those things weighed on him. What was your takeaway, DJ, from the situation in the moment and, and your initial reaction to it when it happened? Well, in the moment, uh, we didn't know what he was saying. Um, I was that game was on uh, ESPN, so I was sitting in the main press box where all the writers and that sit, and he had his back to us. So in the moment, he was really mad, but we didn't know specifically why, and we didn't know specifically what he was saying. But I do remember thinking, why is he getting a red card? It's over. There's no tradition to this tournament. Yeah, it would have been cool to beat Tigers, but they didn't. But it's over. You know why? Why so? Why is he so red hot? In the moment, that's what I thought. DJ, where where are you on the whole idea of a head coach of a professional team uh, barking those kind that kind of verbiage? I mean, it, uh, I know it really doesn't matter what you think or what I think. But people are interested to know what our opinions are about this. Do you think that called for an exit? Uh, that in and of itself might not have called for an exit. But the fact that he lost it three times in three, you know, three straight Julys, uh, combined not just with what he said, and that, that could have got him into plenty of trouble, but how he said it, and how intense it was, how long it went on. The fact that it went on in the tunnel after an alleged cooling off period, that he wrote it down and gave it to somebody, it was just, it was, it was way over the top. And, and, you know, just saying the word, could that have got him fired? Uh, maybe, but it didn't happen in a vacuum. It happened with all these other things happening. And so, you know, which straw broke the camel's back? I, you know, I can't tell you for sure. Um, but, Add, you add them all up. Uh, Brian Dunseth, who I do the games with, says it's not so much the fact, it's more like he weaponized the word with the, the, just the level of fierceness, ferocity, and, and anger that he delivered it with. DJ, did the fact that the team, at least in some people's minds, was underperforming, did that come into play at all? Uh, I would say... Uh, no, I can't guarantee you that, but 
But I think on the list of factors, that was way down. I think that was way down. I think, you know, three weeks ago, um, they could see pretty close to the top four. Um, now, the fact that they won seven points out of nine while he was gone with two out of three on the road, and the fact they got some help with the teams in front of them, and now they're two points out of second place, I get it looks a lot better, but I think the decision to fire him was made before they won it at Kansas City. I was told on Thursday, don't be surprised if he's gone on Sunday. I said, well, he's back on Monday. He's got to go. And I said, oh, and if they do it now, it's a distraction right before the game. So it's decided, but it's just timing. And then all I got was a blank stare and a look away. Hmm. So, yeah, I think I, you know, given given seven of the ten puzzle pieces, I, I found the last three, but... Uh, DJ, I don't know if you had a chance or have had a chance to read Brad, Brad Rock's column and his take on the the manner in the Des News today, uh, but he looked at it from an age standpoint that the older portion yep. of the fan base uh, wanted him to stay, and the younger portion of the fan base, the millennials, wanted him to go, and this was a sign that RSL values that millennial customer base. Uh a factor, but not the factor, possibly a little overstated. I definitely don't think it was just that. I think the commissioner is uh, clearly not a millennial. Don Garber's been on the job 20 years, um, and he was clearly irritated. He's been irritated with Petke before. Um, so I don't think it's that clear-cut. As I did read the story, I don't think it's that clear-cut. But there is, I think there is more outrage among the millennials, but I think that's that's just a political social issue. I think LGBTQ issues resonate more with that demographic than they do with other demographics. Um, you know, I mean, any one individual could be anywhere on the spectrum, but I think as a group, I think LGBTQ issues resonate more with the millennials. That's why I think what he said was so important in, in this decision. Because when I talked with him for a big, a big long feature that I wrote on him earlier this season, he said... Uh, I, I don't know where this stuff comes from, but he said it's just who I am. And I thought to myself when he said it that, you know, it's kind of cute at times when a coach gets all upset and the fans are mad because they agree with it. It was an egregious call, terrible, should have been not been gone down the way it did, and it cost the team a victory and all that sort of thing. I thought, okay, he gets suspended here or there. He gets slapped for something. But when he says something along these lines, now it's it's not cute anymore. It, it, it goes beyond that. And, and I think that's why a guy like Garber was so upset with it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, I, mean, I think the other thing, because we're looking back, not forward, but I think if you look forward, you know, Deloy Hansen, the owner, has is, is, uh, drawn a line in sand here. And, you know, going forward, what happens if somebody loses their cool? What happens if somebody gets kicked, somebody gets elbowed, and they pop up and say something? That word, another word, whatever, you know, where's the line? How many chances do you get? Um, you know, they, they've kind of established a precedent here, and it's going to be interesting to see because, you know, from, well, I mean, I think we can see with Donald Sterling. I think when you're talking sports now, it's everybody from ownership, management in the front office, on the field, players. In the case of RSL, it's RSL and the Monarchs and the women's team, the Royals and the academies. I mean, what, you know, where do we go from here? I think you can argue um, which Deloitte kind of set the precedent in the interview, hey, you got to be under control at all times. But we, and, and that sounds good in theory, but we know from watching sports that doesn't happen. 
So how much do you get to lose it? Where's the line going forward? I mean, he's he's drawn a line in the sand here. DJ, you want to give us a little teaser? What's coming up on uh, Two News and Talking Sports? Uh, I'm off today. I wouldn't have oh, the first clue. Good for no, you. No, that's not true. I do know. Uh, so last night we were going to run. I am off today, though. Uh, last night we were going to run part two of the interview with Tom Homo, and that got pushed back because we ran a lot of the interview with Deloitte. So it's Tom Homo tonight. And uh, so for BYU fans, there you go. DJ, thank you so much for coming on and helping us make some sense out of this. We appreciate it, man. Okay. See ya. David James, uh, of course, television voice of RSL right here on uh, DJ and PK on the Zone Radio Network and, of course, Two News. Yeah. He does it all, that David James. He does. Uh, and uh, I've known DJ a long, long time. You know that? Yeah. I, uh, we did a show together back in the day. MJB in the morning. Yeah. Austin and I were talking about that yesterday. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah. Been uh been doing this uh, a while, and DJ has as well. Uh, terrific guy, smart man, and uh, and I would listen to what he has to say. One hundred percent, DJ's the best. Uh, listen, of course, every single morning, six to ten. All right, coming up next, we'll get into a little college football with Gordon. But first, we need a tour of Utah update with the world famous Tony Parks. Ladies and gentlemen, spanning the entire state of Utah. This is your tour of Utah Update. Let's go. go. On the Zone Sports Network. Drama starting to build here towards the end of stage number one. Eight miles to go. Right now, two riders are out in front. Lorenzo Fortunato and Bernat Fault attacked off the front. They've created a gap of about 15 seconds. They did that with about 11 miles left. Travis Samuel was a solo leader there with about 26 miles to go. He was a part of an initial group of five riders that led for most of the day, but with just under 20 kilometers to go, the Peloton absorbed Samuel, and it was Grupo Compacto at that point. But right now, Fortunato and Font attacking off the front, a lead of about 15 seconds as they continue through the five circuits there in North Logan City. Seven and a half miles to go for stage number one, and the stage number one update for the Tour of Utah is brought to you by the Larry H. Miller Group of Companies. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. The only child suspended for nine games. If Yoli was clearly encroaching on the rules to take advantage of a situation, and you could clearly see that this is taking advantage of the rule and creating advantage for your team or for you as an individual, clearly knowing what you were doing, then, yeah, I'd be like, yeah, it's nine games. Even if you feel like you were innocent, you'd have to do it. That's not the case here. This was an easy one to get right, and the NCAA went out of their way to get it wrong. Nine games if he had done something wrong. In my opinion, he made an innocent, easy mistake that I'm certain other players that are coming back to school also made and just haven't reported. Right. And they'll get away with it. Yeah. And BYU will not. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Check this out. Your home for Utah's best sports radio is right here on the Zone Sports Network. You're locked on to the big show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. I knew a girl. Her name was True. She was a horrible liar. Big Show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Join us 
Coming up Thursday from 3 to 6, we're going to be at the warehouse, 1967 South, 300 West. Price is so low, it will blow your mind. The warehouse. You missed uh, hanging out with Tom last week. We're going to be there on Thursday. Yeah, yeah. I look forward to it. Always do. It's always fun hanging out with those guys. Plus, yep. save our listeners a lot of money, which is uh, always, always a good thing. Uh, some college football news and notes, Gordon, that uh, I wanted to talk to you about because you've been out of town for the past couple of days. Big news over the weekend with BYU scrimmage. Tyson Williams, the yeah. transfer from South Carolina, looks to be um, like at least Coach Sataki is hoping like he's the guy. He's number one on the depth chart, RB number one right now, and uh, is turning some heads down there in Provo. Yeah, they feel pretty good about what's going on down there thus far in camp, and they think they're going to be good. They do. I I don't know how it's going to go against that schedule. We've talked about that quite a bit. Uh, But uh, they feel like they have a decent chance with a decent group of players, and we'll see if they can make it a reality. But they feel good. I think having a dynamic player at that position is actually really important for BYU. And we went into the offseason, of course, thinking, oh, man, they're in trouble at the running back. And now when you're, you're looking at Lapini Katoa being the guy, you know, he, he was pretty good at times last year, but they didn't have anything behind him. Now if, if Lapini Katoa is your number two, yeah. I mean, that, that goes from a weakness to a real strength. And with a, a sophomore quarterback, and I know we're all feeling good about his progression and, and his you know abilities and ability to improve, but if he's got a 1,000-yard back, and PK and I talked about this a little bit, if he's got a 1,000-yard back, that's going to be a real luxury and really open some things up for him. If they have somebody that they can really rely on back there, I mean, it's been a while since they've had Curtis Brown or Harvey Unga or, or yeah. uh, even Jamal Williams has been a couple years removed. If they've got somebody they can really lean on right there, that's going to be a big advantage for him. Well, I've, you know how I feel about the offensive line and how important it is uh, for the performance, positive performance of a quarterback. But right there next to that is a great running back. If you've got a great running back, that is a quarterback's best friend because it takes pressure off. A quarterback can't do everything himself. And how nice is it to be able to turn around uh, if you're Tyler Huntley and hand the ball to Zach Moss? Or if you're Zach Wilson, turn around and hand it to Williams? It's going to be a big deal. If he he turns into a bona fide number one, which – you know, based on the judgment of those guys down there, I don't see any reason why he couldn't. And if you have that offensive line that BYU has compiled down there, young and strong and good and mobile, and uh, you would expect them to be able to open up some holes for a kid like that. And if he and if he can take advantage of that, which you would think uh, a strong running back would be able to do, then yeah, that Zach Wilson's over there going, yay me. Well, and Matt Bushman is going to be productive, and if if you could get. Gunnar Romney or Micah Simon, those are the two that I think if you could get those two to really take a leap and kind of live up to expectations, you've you've got yourself the makings of a pretty good offense. Well, Gunnar was uh, a a big-time recruit. Right. And he dealt with some injuries last year. He did. That was tough. And so if he can stay healthy, because that's what BYU has struggled for some time now with a lack of playmakers. And you just rattled off a bunch of them right there, or at least potentially. Right. And I guess we'll believe it when we see it. But they, the, the, the feeling down there at that camp is that they've got some guys who can make plays. And that isn't exactly the overwhelming feeling that you've had in seasons gone by. 
All right, we'll have more Big Show coming up right around the corner. We'll, of course, talk more NBA, more college basketball. Bowler is going to be in the house at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. In fact, he'll be with us in studio for the entire 5 o'clock hour, as he does on Tuesdays when he can. Looking forward to seeing Bowler. Uh, We'll have more updates from Tony on the tour of Utah as well. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.